welcome to the Management Learning Podcast. I'm Louise, your host, and today we're talking about equality and equity in the workplace. And our question for today's episode is, why is equity more important than equality in the workplace? I work with Management Learning and Coaching Limited to produce this podcast and they're specialists in management development. Their mission is to transform management performance. They operate according to three values and we generally focus on one value in each of our episodes and and today's um, today's value is then they kind of they all fit well but today's value that's the closest fit is looking after your people Um, because I certainly think and I'm sure that our you know our guests will have their own view on it but if we are genuinely looking after our people that means that we want everyone in our organisation to feel welcome and we want everyone in our organisation or in our community to feel that they can achieve their full potential they can do what they really want to do Um, but I also think that if we're talking about um, equity um, and the possibility of reaching you know is it possible to reach my full potential do I have what I need to reach my full potential then that also really speaks to our value about doing what works because if we want to have if we want to be doing really good work as a as a team as an and as an organization then we want every everybody to be reaching their full potential or working towards reaching their full potential and we don't want anyone to feel that they are held back or that they um, don't have what they need so um, that's enough talking just from me. I'd really like to welcome our special guest today, Neil Hopkins. Hi, Neil. How are you? I'm fantastic, Louise. And it's magnificent to be here. This is one of my favourite management podcasts. Oh, you're making me blush. <laughs> <laughs> so, Neil, do you want to tell us a little bit about your interest in this conversation? Sure. So I've been fortunate enough to work within the equality and equity space for a little while, specifically through the NHS. And for me, I really see how focusing on these subjects enriches, enhances and deepens the experience of working in organisations and being able to bring your authentic self to those experiences. So it's a really exciting piece for me professionally, but also personally, because I really believe in helping everyone to achieve their full potentials and have more fun, basically. More fun, actually. Uh, Gordon, you were talking to me about having more fun earlier this week. This has reminded me of it. I was, yeah, I need to keep this in mind. I promised you, in fact, that I would keep it in mind. Um, so, Gordon, do you want to um, say a little bit about your interest in this conversation? Yeah, I think the, the, the I've built a, uh, half of my career. I spent the first half of my career um, in, uh, in engineering, the second half of my career in coaching and, and, and business coaching, etc., and, and, and I've built most of that on helping people to realise their potential. That, that was what I set out to do. Um, and of course, along the way, I realised that what I was trying to do was to also realise my own potential. Um, and I think there's a lot to be said for um, the, you know, the question of equity versus equality in, 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 you know, in the workplace and, 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 how it's, um, and how people can be held back it's always the personal context that holds people back um and uh, and, and and but some of that can be very very much influenced by the environment and the culture within which they're they're, they're working uh and so uh, you need all of those things to be working in synergy in order to to bring out the best in people 
Thank you. Thank you, Gordon. And Diana, um, would you like to say a little bit about your interest in this conversation? Uh, yes, absolutely. Thank you. And uh, thank you for inviting me along. Uh, so I've um, spent probably a third of my adult life, a third of my career um, living as a foreigner in another country. Admittedly, it was only another European country. Uh, I lived, in, lived and worked in Germany. Um, but actually, you know, when you've been a foreigner somewhere else, you, you really absolutely understand more, I think, uh, the value of difference, just being different, seeing the world differently, bringing different experience to every conversation. Um, and one of my big things, which, you know, those who know me well will, will have heard me say before, is it's all about going around to the other side of the table. What does the world look like? for that person on the other side of the table and therefore what do they need because it will be different you know if even if you have two women or two people of color or whatever it is you know the, the difference between equity and equality is giving each person what they need rather than the same for everybody and making an assumption that the same is is therefore fair mm. Yeah, and actually that's a really, um, thank you so much for that perspective on it, Diana, because I hadn't thought about it that way, but the you know, difference, I think, is, you know, a difference is an important word and concept here. And, and yeah, I hadn't thought about the possibility of working in, in a different country and, and how difference would manifest there. Um, and actually, you've managed to segue really, really nicely into my first question. So extra points to you. Um, so my first I'm your question... favourite, just, just say it as it is. I'm, I'm your favourite. <laughs> okay, Diana, you're totally my favourite. <laughs> 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 I don't know what I've set up for the rest of the podcast now, never mind. Um, so my, my first question is, what is the difference between equity and equality? And, and I think it's, it's also something else I really wanted to say is that I, I come to this discussion from a place of not knowing. There's an awful lot about this subject that I don't know. I don't know what somebody else's experience is. Um, you know, I don't know what, as Diane said, you know, I'm a woman. I've got my own experiences of being a woman in the workplace. I don't know what another woman's experience of being in the workplace is. There, you know, there are many things I don't know um and there are many things i don't know about what is you know what what people need and and what works in this context so but just to come back come back to the the kickoff question what then do um do we you know do do we think is the difference between equity and equality and, and neil i'm gonna i'm gonna throw that over to you first fantastic thank you what a what great place to start so i think for me there's there's two parts to this there's the instinctive reaction to the question which is that equity is about acknowledging the subtle and the not so subtle differences between us and then making adjustments so it's very much to pick up on diana's point there about what do people need equality meanwhile is about the outcomes and it's actually quite great i find equality quite gray and flattening it's assuming everyone just needs the same thing the other side of the answer is part of the research rabbit hole I ended up going down just to double check some understanding of this and there's so much to read out there online about it but someone basically turned around and said equality is focused on the outcome equity is focused on process and there's quite a difference in between those two things oh okay so that sounds really important but I'm not sure I totally understand that I mean actually I wonder Gordon if you you know if you have any more thoughts on on that process distinction that, that Neil just made. 
Yeah, I, th I think the, um, uh, <laughs> well, it might be a slight, this, this might be slightly counterintuitive actually, because what was coming up for me when, when we were talking about, uh, you know, the definitions of equity and equality and what have you, what, what Diana said, and then what Neil said was, 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 was actually about reflecting on my son's experience of school. And without getting too controversial or too in, 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 too in depth around it, is it, you know, my son is neurodiverse. And we, we had sort of long and deep discussions with the school about how he was being treated um, in the school. And we, and we felt to a certain extent that he was being discriminated against because he, you know, he, he wasn't being given the full opportunities to be able to realise his potential. And, um, and, and they said, well, but he's not being discriminated against because we're, we're treating him just like everybody else. And that sort of kind of stopped me in my tracks because of course that was the um the whole definition in terms of if if someone was being discriminated discriminated against he was being treated equally um the only thing is is that he wasn't the same as everybody else in fact you know he was quite markedly different to everybody else because of his neurodiversity uh, and so that they, they applied a standard process and i think the key thing here is is you know um, what's the process for this person what's the process for this individual um that's going to get the outcome that you want rather than um it's this process and everybody goes through it um and and i, I think that's that for me kind of is the is the distinction is is is, is if we're talking about equity being our process, then it, then it, it needs to be personalised. Mm. Yeah. Okay. It makes me sad to think that you know some of these things are still going on. These these um, sheep dip things. I mean, I've got you know experiences from several years ago, and and, and my hope is that that neither of these things happen anymore. Um, one of which is I was running an assessment centre uh, years and years ago now for a charity. Um, they were looking for their next generation of, of managers from outside of the organization. And I, as part of the assessment process, I had to um, do some psychometric tests. And one, one of the candidates had got in touch with me beforehand and said, I have tunnel vision. I'm, I uh, have a visual impairment. Very specifically, I'm albino and I have tunnel vision. And he gave me very, very clear, a very clear description of exactly what he needed to be able to carry out that psychometric test he said I need to have I think it was eight font smaller font because with tunnel vision if you do big fonts of course you, you can only see part of a word um, and it had to be on a yellow background so I got in touch with the company that made the psychometric um, test and they said Arno for people with uh, visual impairment what we do is we do a size 20 font on white paper <laughs> Wow. And I can send you some of those. And I said, no, no, you misunderstand me. I know exactly what he needs because I asked him and he told me. And what he needs is a smaller font. He's got his, his particular visual impairment is he has tunnel vision. Therefore, if you make a really big font, he can't see a whole word without moving his head or moving his whole body across the page. So what he needs is this that I'm telling you. Oh, no, we don't do it like that. For people with visual impairment, what we do is... <laughs> You know, and, and that was their idea of equality. Wow. That was a long time ago. I really, really, really hope things have changed. 
I mean, that, that's an amazing example. And it brings up for me, if I can just dive in for one second, a quote I found while doing the research for this podcast. And just for clarity, obviously, podcast, no one can see me. I'm, I'm a white male, so I don't pretend to speak to the experience of people of colour in any way, shape or form. But this quote really stuck out for me. And it's from a teacher. Um, I believe he pronounced his name Sope Agbalusi. And he says that equality does not see colour, therefore it contributes to privilege. Equity sees colour, it rec recognises systematic forms of racism and actively provides resources to level the playing field. So obviously he's speaking from a very specific heritage and background there, but you could maybe change some of those words, colour for neurodiversity or ability or disability and so on, and, and look at how that plays. And for me, that idea of privilege and equality embedding privilege is a really interesting one that's caused me to reflect so much on a lot of my beliefs around the subject. That's, that's really interesting, Neil. You just reminded me of another um, situation, the other situation I've, I was thinking of, actually, which was even more years ago um, when I did my initial training for breast cancer care. I had my first breast cancer uh, almost 27 years ago. Um, joined breast cancer care two years later and I've been a volunteer ever since and as part of our training we we learned all about the different types of breast cancer and uh, and various things and and on the second afternoon um, we came back into the room after a coffee break and on the front desk there were a, a whole load of diff every different shape and size possible of breast prosthesis which you know if you've had a mastectomy um, you need to use every single one of them was pink and the lady I, I'd been sitting next to for two days was black and and so they had they thought of you know every di different shape and size but they were all pink and and you know and this was seen as the natural color <laughs> so you wow. have pink you know we can so so they've sort of gone part way you know yes we can fit you for the right shape and size however it is going to be pink wow Mm. that's quite quite something which you know if you if you sort of if you take that a bit further you know uh, ha having a mastectomy is quite a big deal in you know at any point in in a woman's life and then to be told well you know this is the natural color you are now going to have a pink breast prosthesis from here on in mm. that was a long time ago i know they do they, they've changed that now thankfully we've only just seen the introduction of a range of flesh-coloured sticking plasters. So if you cut yourself, for example, yeah. for years, they were what would blend in roughly on traditionally Caucasian heritage skin. So for people of different heritages, they would stick out quite a lot. And it's only recently, I believe, that other shades have come onto the market that allow people to choose and have an active choice. And so that equity of choice is so much more empowering, I think, than the equality of, well, this is what you're going to get, because that builds in, as Sopo said, it builds in privilege, but it then starts to question power dynamics. And I think in a work setting, those power dynamics of who, between whom should equality exist? What is the standard by which we measure how everybody should be equal? There's a potential power dynamic in there that doesn't always feel very healthy or helpful to my way of thinking. Interesting. It's it's um it's having those difficult conversations. Um, I think I'm thinking as I talk, which is unusual for me, so bear with me. But it's it, something that came up for me 
as um, as the conversation was unfolding earlier is actually something from our last podcast, which was our um, guest, Matt, um, talked about the importance of understanding where we really are and appreciating the reality of the situation. And there's something about failing to see difference for, you know, whatever the reason is, that is, a, you know, fundamentally misunderstanding or you know willfully or otherwise refusing to see the reality that that we're in um, but it can be very painful if you know if that's the norm refusing to see reality believing that sticking plasters why would they be anything other than a light kind of pink color it can be very difficult it can be very exposing to be some you know to stick your head above the parapet and say yeah but why is it like this yeah yes absolutely because the chances are whoever came up with it hadn't actually gone to that level of thinking about well this is natural for some people this is you know skin colored for some people but you know i haven't thought beyond the end of my nose i haven't thought about the fact that that's not true for everybody yeah um, and gordon i wonder um i wonder what your thoughts are are on that you know the difficulty of of, of speaking out if you do you know if you do if you do feel that something isn't right um yeah i think that interestingly whilst we were talking about all of that i'm, I'm kind of I'm, I'm kind of i apologize louise i'm ducking that question because i've just sort of discovered something that that, that i just wanted to bring to the conversation oh bring uh, it yeah. and um uh, i'm a bit of a uh, a definition geek and uh, so I went, okay, what's, what's the definition, what's the dictionary definition of, of, of equity and, and equality? And, 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 and a very simple, you know, the, 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 the definition of equity is the quality of being fair and impartial. Whereas equality is the state of being equal, especially in status, rights, or opportunities. And I think that, um, that really stands out for me is that we're not we're not equal i'm not six foot three i'm five foot seven i can almost i can verify that <laughs> um you know uh i i don't have fair skin like neil you know so i don't tend to burn in the sun you know um but by the same token you know um i'm you know, I don't have blue eyes, you know, uh, I don't have maybe the perfect profile, uh, you know, whatever we define as beauty, you know, uh, aesthetically. And I think that's the problem with it, isn't it? Is, is that, but you can still treat me fairly and with impartiality, but I'm not equal because well, I'm not equal. We can't expect you to reach something on the top shelf necessarily. So no. if that were an integral part of what I expected you to do, Gordon, then... Well, that was a major challenge for me as a short 17-year-old, actually, when I was going into news agents. <laughs> Discreetly reaching for something on the top shelf was quite challenging. Sorry. I, I can't imagine. <laughs> Just lowering the tone of, the, of this podcast straight away. <laughs> but that is it. That's the, 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 I think that really beautifully illustrates that outcome versus process piece we were talking about a little bit earlier and yet if equality is focused on that outcome it's 
it can be quite flattening if everyone is is equal but as you say we're not all equal we can all do different things we all have different life experiences and equality can flatten that here's the one color plaster or here's the here's the workplace parenting policy that only talks about traditional heterosexual normative cisgender relationships or something like that all those things can create other or othering for people and as yes it might be equal this is it everyone has it so lump it but it's certainly not equitable and it doesn't help people to become the, their best selves and it doesn't help companies to look after their people i don't think either and it certainly doesn't um, allow them to enjoy the the um the spoils if you like of diversity of people thinking differently and having different you know levels of creativity different types of different ways of going about things absolutely if you have gray you what you don't have is is the creativeness of color yes absolutely brilliant way of putting it and didn't you share something maybe it was this morning neil um about the conformity and you know the the drive to conform so i think you know the the more the kind of the gray the flattened we're all kind of the same really aren't we the more that view permeates the more that's the norm then the stronger any desire or drive for any individual will be to conform and to kind of to chop off or hide the parts of themselves that don't fit that kind of that gray flattened box absolutely and that's that's really damaging to people and to organizations so as i mentioned earlier lucky i was lucky enough to work in this space for a while specifically at uh, brighton sussex university hospitals nhs trust and they wanted to invest in making more equitable employment for their lgbtq plus so their lesbian gay transgender bisexual other plus um colleagues to then help improve patient care and this was something we talked about a huge amount and how we can bring people bring all those parts of people to themselves and there's so much research in the healthcare space the whole nhs space that where the lgbtq population cannot be authentically themselves not only do their workplace outcomes suffer but patient care suffers as well and i would imagine that's probably very similar for other organizations when you stop people being themselves and you don't put in those supportive measures to help people be themselves where needed wanted and desired it's that's bad for everyone and especially bad for businesses and bad for customers absolutely because the the chances are um you know the the um diversity of an organization mirrors the diversity of its customers or its its users its service users and users absolutely certainly certainly should do and certainly should do in public sector in my opinion yes yeah yeah um, i'm involved in um <coughs> another another kind of work other work that i do is at the university of sussex and there's been a lot of there's been some research and some talk about increasing student diversity, particularly in the sciences, which is the area that I work in. Um, and, and we know something that is really interesting is that if, you, if you're talking about research, if you're talking about some, you know, uh, something creative, which let's face it, there's creativity in any job anywhere. Uh, but in this case, if you're talking about research, then um, if your field of researchers all have a reasonably similar um, life experiences then they're probably going to approach the problems that they're they're approaching in very similar ways um yet if you can open up 
the you know the community and have more diversity then you'll have a lot more different ways of, of approaching the problems which surely is better for everyone and for in this case the advancement of knowledge and actually Gordon this makes me think of um, makes me think of you and your son a lot more that you know the, the really tragic thing um, about about not recognizing neurodiversity is that it's such a it's such a rich thing it's not a thing to be feared at all well precisely and, and you know my son has genius level spatial recognition his hand eye, eye coordination is is just beyond the pale and and, and is and it makes him very very good at xbox games um <laughs> uh, uh, but could also make him a very good engineer and stuff like that um however he he struggles to write things down but he can communicate um he's, again he's got genius level verbal reasoning so um never get into an argument with him you know but none of that was seen as you know that was seen as disruptive and challenging because it didn't fit it didn't conform to use that word with the norms um with the the the, the way in which they assessed the way in which they talked the way in which they delivered uh, knowledge um and uh um and yet you know here is somebody who is enormously clever um hmm. and un unable to demonstrate that because he's been told he has to demonstrate it in one particular way it doesn't make people easy to process does it when they fall outside of the norms that, that somebody's decided they're going to work to whether that's in a school or or any kind of setting you, you don't you know i can't process you I, I think there's a mental health angle here too uh folks um the i was reminded when we were talking about conformity the drive to conform about um i read something that was a book on non-violent communication i can't remember the author um but um one sentence just struck out to me, which is, um, and, and, and this guy used the word compliance rather than conformity, but it's, it's kind of similar. Is, is compliance is, is um, uh, sorry, depression is the price we pay for compliance in, in our youth. So depression in later life is, the, is often the price we pay for compliance in our youth because we're not living as we are we're living as others want us to be and that puts a huge amount of stress and trauma on people interesting that is fascinating yeah it is i i, I part of me wants to say except when it isn't um i as a child i conformed 100 percent um mostly out of fear um, and I would say, you know, that I probably have a, a stronger um, resilience muscle tone than most. But I, I guess there are exceptions to every rule, aren't there? I, I get where you're coming from completely, Gordon. And I'm just thinking it, that's not my experience, but it's interesting. Yeah, I, I mean, I, like I said, he, he, you know, he wasn't saying it's an absolute. Um, no. Simply saying that quite often, you know, if you like, if you think of it in statistical terms and, you know, a lot of people, <laughs> whatever yeah. that means. Um, you know, and it, and, it, uh, 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 and it resonated with me because it, it, it spoke directly to my personal experience. Um, and uh, so, yeah, but, but, you know, very, I think that's, you know, I, 
I think coming back to the point about equity and equality, you know, if, if we treat everybody equally, then that, that means they have to respond equally. And if they respond equally, they might not be responding in the way that is best for them. They may not be able, they may not be able to respond equally. And we, no, it, then you are creating um, the risk of trauma and stress and um, depression, fundamentally, mental health issues. And also, if, if, the, if somebody is not able to respond equally, as you say, you may be passing over the best person for the job. You might be Correct. passing over the, the person who could best do this because they might see it differently. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's okay. like the old cartoon of we've got to treat everybody equally. And so everybody's got to be able to climb this tree, you know, and you've got a fish and a monkey and an elephant and a you know, yeah. bird or whatever. Um, and uh, hmm. yeah. yeah. And instead of recognizing that the fish has so I'm going, I'm going to run with this Gordon instead of recognizing that the fish can do certain things and that the monkey can't and vice versa and instead of you know engaging them in tasks or contributions or even contribution but engaging them in things that where they you know their difference is unique and their difference is something valuable for them and to everybody else and it, it really keeps coming back to appreciating you know the reality of things appreciating the differences um and and I think Diana's point about it being difficult to process people when they fall outside the norm yeah there's there's a trade-off there isn't there between being able to fit people into a process um because in many ways that you know there's kind of involves less effort once you've established the process it involves less effort um but you know but what do you what do you lose what do you lose in the experience of being human and what do you lose in the experience of being in a team or in a community of knowing each other and supporting each other and complementing each other's kind of you know complementing each other's strengths and weaknesses versus taking each person as they are as you find them which involves quite a lot more thinking and reflecting and observing and quite a lot more of everything um but is going to lead to everyone being able to achieve their full potential and therefore a much more exciting and spectacular and colorful result absolutely it's really interesting as well that you we're talking about bringing people to the table because i think within business there's the other side of it of people not even getting to the table because of disequity even if something looks equal from the outside. So in recruitment, for example, or societal narratives, there are some really unhelpful narratives out there. Or if businesses don't play, pay attention to the way they portray themselves, the types of language they use or the types of images they use, they might even put off people from applying, trying to get to that table. And then, of course, when people are on the table, then some of them respond differently. And suddenly you get that disequity there. I mean, going back a few years, there was ridiculous societal narrative I seem to remember absolutely bonkers about something like girls don't do maths I mean how how mm. stupid I mean I get angry just thinking about it so I'll stop thinking I about can it hear your anger. <laughs> but you think there's amazing female engineers there are there are amazing 
documentaries about female engineers who work for NASA and do these incredible things, but there was this ridiculous narrative. But that then put women off applying for STEM jobs, science, technology, engineering, and maths. And so now there's a quite a big underrepresentation of women in those roles. And so some people can't even get to the table because of those. There's a lot of work been done in the States around African-American communities and police forces as well. Certainly going back a, back a few years, lots of work in this country around LGBTQ um, communities as well. So it's that, it's paying attention to that process of equity of not just the sort of T's and C's, but how we portray everything bring the people to the table, make them think they can sit at the table and then go forward from there. So there's another dimension of it, I think, for, for businesses and why the difference between the two, the blanket of equality of it's on the internet, go find it, or equity, some people need paper, some people need different uh, stimulus and so on. That's why that's so important. Mm, um, that's a that's a really good point and a really good illustration as well. Thank you, Neil. Um, it's actually, self-fulfilling, doesn't it? It's a self-fulfilling prophe prophecy. Um, you know, yeah. uh, if we if we have a particular type of person at the table, you know, that 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 saying of people like people like themselves. Work that one out. People like yeah. people like themselves you know, they're, they're li more likely to, to look for and, and sort of be interested in people in their own image um, who, who think the same way they do and look the same way they do. And it's hard to break out of that. Yes. Well, yes, I think a lot of it is unconscious. Mm. Yeah. If it, if it were conscious, then that would be terrible. You know, probably most of it is unconscious. Yeah, yeah, which which you know make makes it harder. Um, so I'm I'm going to jump in at this point with a poem that um, that really spoke to me when Neil and I were talking about this episode. And um, what it's for me, it really brings home the idea of multiple multiple ways of thinking about ourselves, multiple senses of identity which come forth in different situations for different reasons um and and i think you know one of the one of the big takeaways for me from from this discussion is that the big risk in pursuing equality rather than equity is that we cut off some of those modes of expression we lose some of those some some of those kind of multiple identities that we have they might be contradictory and um and that's okay it doesn't mean that there's no space for them. So I'm going to read the poem and then I'm going to ask you all kind of about reflections and your takeaways from today. This is, uh, and I should also say that this does speak to at least one facet of my experience as a, as a woman. So uh, this is I Shall Paint My Nails Red by Carol Satyamurti. I shall paint my nails red because a bit of colour is a public service, because I am proud of my hands, because it will remind me I'm a woman, because I will look like a survivor, because I can admire them in traffic jams, because my daughter will say, <sighs> because my lover will be surprised, because it is quicker than dyeing my hair, because it is a 10 minute moratorium, because it is reversible. I love that. 
Mm. Um, I love that poem. I love getting to read it. So thank you for indulging me. Um, so Diana, um, what are your thoughts on the poem and, and our conversation? It's really interesting. I hadn't heard it before, so, um, so I'm sort of still still processing it in my head. I think what's really interesting, actually, for me, is the last line, and it's all reversible. Mm. So there's almost a fear of doing anything that might be permanent. Mm, yeah. Um, yeah, interesting. Actually, I, just another bit of my um, experience. I, I do have blonde highlights, so I do dye my hair. I don't do I don't paint my nails. Um, and I have an ongoing battle with the hairdresser who doesn't like to leave the stuff on my hair for too long in case my hair falls out. I do have to remind him, I know what I look like without hair. It's okay. <laughs> falls out. I'm not paying you, but I, you know, having walked around for six months of my life with no hair when I had chemo, that's okay. <laughs> I'm all right with no hair. Yeah. Um, no fear for you. No, it, no, it, it didn't even before it happened, actually. Um, that wasn't the thing I feared the most. Mm. Uh, yeah anyway sorry that uh, I, I um, uh, sort of took that off, off track a bit but yeah no I think for me the last sentence of you know oh, I better not do anything too permanent just in case yeah that that is a really interesting thing that that comes up for me about the poem as well there's kind of all these different things that um, you know the the person that would that who's speaking is all these different ways in which they might see themselves they might want to manifest in the world or um, but yeah, at the end, it comes down to because I can change it if, if it wasn't the right thing. Yeah. yeah, it's really interesting, isn't it? And, and actually, you know, just to sort of go back over uh, some of the old ground, you know, there is an assumption that for women losing their hair is the worst part of having chemotherapy. Um, mm. And that might be for some. It wasn't for me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Of, growing up was far worse. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you for thank you for being vulnerable and sharing that, Diana. Mm. Um, so Gordon, what are your thoughts and reflections? Apologies, I put myself on mute because there was a little bit of background noise, so um, uh, but I was listening very carefully there. Um, yeah, I, I picked up on the, the word reversible, and I, I think what was coming up for me was that, that you know, a whole bunch of images crowding into my head. You know, David Williams, the boy in the dress, and um, uh, um, uh, and and the fact that um, I remember many many years ago when they brought into brought in. The, I think it was the Equality Act, actually, or, or, or some variant of it. And uh, um, uh, you weren't no longer allowed to advertise, um, you know, bar jobs um, uh, as for just you know, say you wanted a man or a woman, mm -hmm. uh, if they could be done by a man or a woman, and um, so um, they, uh, they, they, they one of the bars in my local in my hometown sort of said um, uh, you know bar staff wanted must look great in a dress, <laughs> um, and I thought and, and, and me and my mate were sort of we we thought about it and, and we were only seventeen eighteen at the time well eighteen at the time and we we thought. Yeah, yeah, we would just love to walk in in a dress and challenge that perception, you know. Um, and as it happens, I do look great in a dress, but that, that's that's a totally other story. Um, or I look good in a kilt, so let's put it that way, uh, uh, without an ounce of Scottish blood, I might add. Um, so um, 
I, those are the sort of things. Is it's all reversible, you know? Um, but I can put a dress on, or I can put a skirt on, or I can put, I can paint my nails red, you know. I can dye my hair blonde, which I have done, um, and I look like a very sad Bollywood song from the 1980s for those that can remember those days. Uh, and it, but it's, it, it didn't change really who I was or who I am. Um, uh, it might have changed people's perceptions of me, but it certainly didn't change who I was or who I am. And so I think that's for me is I, I would hope that whether I've got tattoos, whether I've got red nails, whether I've got um, uh, wearing a dress, that you would that people would treat me with equity, you know, fairness and impartiality, not equally like everybody else. Mm. And there's a whole set of podcasts in that. It <laughs> probably is, isn't there? But I think there's there's something coming up for me there, Gordon, about um and I can't remember who mentioned it, possibly all three of you, but no, in fact, I think it was Diana definitely did, about actually going to someone and asking them and giving them space to think about what they need rather than making an assumption based on whether or not they're wearing a dress, whether or not, you know, they've lost their hair. Actually finding out from someone and working with them to find out what they need to yeah. achieve their full potential wherever they're going and it's important just that thing about tattoos just makes me laugh because we have had many a discussion at the dinner table with my teenage children about how I feel about tattoos and and imagine their surprise when their mother was the first one to get a tattoo <laughs> I should add it was my eyebrows which never quite came back after chemo <laughs> Amazing. That's fantastic. There you go. I've lived that one down. Um, so Neil, um it's, thank you so much for um for bringing all you know all of your kind of wisdom and insight to this. And I'd I'd love to finish actually on on your thoughts on um on the poem and on kind of where you know what we've covered today. Well, thank you. First of all, it's been an absolute pleasure and a privilege to to join you, even virtually from different parts of the country. I think the the poems it's a genius find. There's no there's no two ways about it. It's an amazing piece, beautifully read, if I can say so. But I think it, it for me it situates the the writer in the world of the outside, but also in the world of the inside and the the simple symbolic act of painting the nails, or for other people it might be hair, or for other people it might be clothing, or modes of other modes of expression even the way we walk is performative and just having that dichotomy in the in the poem in between those two things i think is really fierce i think it's really empowering i think it's brilliant interestingly i think i've got a different take on the reversible line at the end because to me that feels like because it's reversible because i can and tomorrow i'll paint them blue or I'll paint them purple yes. it's yes. it's because i can this is my choice today this is my choice now and I will show myself in the world as this. And I think that's, that's an amazingly powerful thing. And I think for kind of, if everyone could have that opportunity fairly, it would be fantastic. And then that's where the, kind of, the equity comes in of how do we make it equitable for everyone to paint their nails, whatever shade, there are more colors than red, but whatever shade they wish to paint them, how do we, how do, we do that? So it's, it's such a good find. And this conversation has been amazing. It's, for me, it's kind of really deepened some thoughts around both equality and equity and the, the role of each I think everyone's brought different different things to it so yeah I'm, I'm really looking forward to listening back to it because when you're in the moment it's it's quite full-on to kind of take all the wisdom 
and so on. But I'm going to listen back to it. And I know I'm going to get loads of things out that I'm just going to take forward into the next piece of work I do. Wow. Okay. Um. Oh, yes. We'll take that. <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's amazing. Um. Thank you so much, all three of you. Um. Just, yeah. Just. Just thank you for your thoughts and your energy. By way of some more formal thanks and credits, thanks to Lenny Barden who composed the music, and thanks to our guests Neil Hopkins, Diana Barden, and Gordon Borer. <laughs>